The Blue Jays begin their string of weaker opponents with a series win against the Washington Nationals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 130 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell, and we've got some good stuff coming on the show here today. The Blue Jays did their job, I suppose, winning a series against the Washington Nationals. We have a lot of good stuff coming out of the series, including great performances from Chris Bassett. Dave Schneider stays hot, keeps doing his thing. And a lot of negatives, too, coming from this, like Jose Barrios' start. What is John Schneider doing behind the bench with some of his questionable decisions? And so much more, plus injury updates. We have a Ricky Tiedemann update. So much more to come on this episode. But first, let's kick it off right away the way we've kicked it off each of the last three episodes with a generic true or false question. Riley, true or false, the Toronto Blue Jays are making the playoffs this year. Uh, yes, I think after this series, I'm going to change my answer. I'm a little less on the fence, Jesse. Mm-hmm. We were we, we were bantering back and forth. I like this series a lot more than you did. I will be quite frank with you when saying that. Um, we'll tell you why we wouldn't didn't win game two, but why we should have won game two. We blew them out in game three, seven, nothing. A wise man sitting right in front of me in computer land. Jesse, you had that <laughs> predicted. And just a game one that, of course, we get a uh, like our ace doing fetal pretty well. Ace things. The best guy at any pitch in the bottom of the zone. Kevin Gosman was really, really screwing with the hitters timing for the Washington Nationals. Hey, there is some not good things, but there is a ton of good things, in my opinion, for this series, man. I feel great about this. I think there is still lots of good ball on the way for us. I think we're going to take advantage of the next three series. I hope so. We have to. We are playing bottom feeder teams on paper. These are teams the Blue Jays should beat. As things stand, coming after the winning two out of three against the Washington Nationals, the Blue Jays aren't really any closer than they were when the series began. They're still 73 and 61 now. We're still two and a half games back of the final wildcard spot. Two and a half games back of Texas, by the way, who uh, lost an extra innings to the New York Mets today, who are now three and seven in their last 10 games. So I guess... (laughs) Blue Jays and Texas Rangers. There's a long history there. And let's hope we can mess with Texas one more time. Um, Want to get right into the game recaps or something else, Dad, Riley, before we uh, fire away here? No, I think we got enough to talk about even just a three-game series. But let's dive right into it, man. All right, game one of the series, Kevin Gosman actually gave up a run in the first, but the Blue Jays responded with four in the second, including big RBI singles from George Springer, Davis Schneider, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had an opposite field double. Danny Jansen had it a home run to make it five to one, a no-doubter to the second deck, too. Beautiful shot from Danny Jansen. And Kevin Gosman gave up a two-run shot in the fifth, but everyone else settled down from there as Trevor Richards worked two shutout innings, going six up, six down with a strikeout. Jordan Hicks and Genesis Cabrera finished the job to get the Blue Jays to a 6-3 to victory. In Game 2, this was the heartbreaker here, Riley. The Jays were down 2-0 after the first, after Jose Brios gave up a two-run home run. The Jays were able to get a run in the third, thanks to who else but Davis Schneider hitting another home run. The Jays gave up three in the top of the fifth, thanks to another Jose Barrios three-run home run. They were down 5-1 to one at that point, but crawled back. We scored a single run in the seventh. We scored a single run in the eighth, with another run thrown out at the plate in that one. And we were able to load the bases with nobody out in the ninth, down by two but we're only able to get one run across a real heartbreaker in this one as the Blue Jays lose this game 5-2-4. The Blue Jays needed to bounce back in a big way, and on Sunday they did just that. They got all three, Riley, hitting, pitching, defense, bam, as they cruise to a 7-0 victory. Chris Bassett might have put together his best start of the season, going eight shutout innings, three hits allowed, one walk, three strikeouts. The Blue Jays scored two runs in the first, thanks to an Alejandro Kirk double, 
that scored Davis Schneider and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And the Blue Jays never looked back, ended up scoring seven in total. Biggio had a couple of hits. Espinal had a good hits. Espinal had a few hits. And uh, yeah, and that's all they had from there. So Riley, lots of player performances, lots of good things to talk about. I guess we won the series. Let's start with some of the positives to take away from this series. Where are you going first? I mean, Jesse, I, I, it's a toss-up for me. I want to talk about the guy who is the talk of the town right now and mm-hmm. could be the talk of the league. Man, Davis Schneider, what has he got now? Six home runs for us, I Something think. Like, that, like yeah. he has he has been and he would have had another extra base hit. He got thrown out trying to turn stretch a, uh, a you know, a single into a double. It was off the wall. They made and a he good was throw, safe whatever. Too, by the way, on replay, yeah, Blue Jays just didn't challenge. He was safe. We didn't challenge, and that's the way it goes sometimes. But I mean, for yeah, it doesn't help our, our team, whatever. It's still for his batting average. He's has just a crooked line right now. I mean you talk, we, we've mentioned this back going back to the Red Series. You know, Ellie De La Cruz being the most exciting player in all of baseball. That's true. But for me, Jesse, I think there's two types of ball players in a lot of ways. There's the flashy mm-hmm. type guy. We have Bo Bichette's a flashy guy. Even Kiermaier's a flashy guy. Then there's just the grit, you know, kind of like just show up, do your job type guys. I mean, I feel like Chipper Jones is one of those like Hall of Fame tier guys as far as these go. But David Schneider is just a guy that shows up. He's a lunchbox kind of guy. He's a grinder. He battles out at bats. He makes good plays in the field. He makes good decisions. He's a great hitter. He has composure. He's a consummate, consummate professional as far as a lot of things go. Like I said, you wouldn't even know this kid's a rookie. I mean, the mm-hmm. way he approaches the play and there was um i remember buck and dan were saying something like you know that hole in his swing that was kind of the high fastball in the zone well he's kind of shrunk that so it shows you you know i'm sure that he's taken you know watched videos and taken some reps in the cage and you know he's trying to perfect his game he's trying to become a complete ball player and i mean jesse he's well on his way man i mean we're not even like this is a small sample size but I mean, you can still look at this and say, like, there are so many good takeaways. Like, is Davis Schneider the 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 biggest bright side of this Jays season right now? Like, I'd he could so. very well be. Yeah. I mean, I'm in no way going to call this guy a generational talent or anything like that. But because you know, he's not a he's not a blue chip guy for any means. He's he's earned his spot on this team, and by doing so. He has put us in ball games, essentially drove in and scored winning runs. I mean, he's an extremely clutch player. He's a guy who now John Schneider has put him in the lineup because you have to look at how this guy's performed. You can't sit this guy at any time unless, you know, he needs a day of rest. But this is a regular for the Toronto Blue Jays lineup. He's whether he's flashy or not. I think he's he's the most exciting player to watch on the Blue Jays right now. And I think. You know, I I don't know. I don't think like an outside the box kind of fan. I can only think like a Jays fan, really. But I'm sure and the league should be taking notice of what this kid is doing because he's been absolutely amazing since putting on a big lead uniform. Three things on Davis Schneider. The first thing is, um, oh, God, where was I going with this? Um, Oh, yes. I always notice on the bench, his teammates always seem to be talked to him. You see him talking to Matt Chapman a lot. You see him talking to Bo Bichette a lot. These are all things I really like on Davis Schneider. Um, Everyone wants to talk to him. Hey, he's the hottest guy on the team right now. People want to 
some of that, right? Another thing too, you kind of mentioned it there already, but in the Cleveland series, after the Red Sox series, when he went like, he went over for the whole series, the book on him was to face him with fastballs up. The Cleveland pitchers did that. Davis Schneider even said on his own admission that that's what he struggled with. Riley, he had three extra base hits in this series on the fastball up. He's made an adjustment early. That is so impressive for a thirteen uh, for a player with only thirteen major league games under his belt. And another thing, Riley, I know we've been going through the list of um, Blue Jays and where they rank in hitter war and pitcher war throughout the thing. Last episode we did just a series ago, he was one twenty seventh in hitter hitters war. This isn't even counting the game today where he hit a double and whatnot. He is now up to one hundred thirteenth, Riley. He is just half a war away from reaching the top one hundred Blue Jays hitters of all time Riley and uh, just nothing but good things to say about David Schneider and the performance he's had so far I absolutely agree with you we could say that I we will cut him some slack in the loss and we will get to this for the thumbs down yes. he is in no way a thumbs down he did come to the plate after you know already recording uh at that point in the ball game davis schneider had two hits and a, a home run, run. And, yeah. And, yeah and two driven in so in no way was this on his shoulders but no one out in the bases loaded we'll get into that jesse mm-hmm. still the positive it things still hurts. I, <laughs> I, it still hurts but i want to move on to the positive things and jesse when you get seven runs of support i mean the idea is to win the ball game Yep. Chris Bassett did exactly that. I mean, mm-hmm, eight, mm-hmm. eight solid, solid innings. And this is this is a des- this is a designer Chris Bassett outing where you know he's not gonna strike a ton of guys out. He's gonna induce weak contact. The ball's gonna stay in the yard. He's gonna let the defense do the work behind him. And that's exactly what was going on here. He felt comfortable. He was dealing. He was all of his pitches looked great. I mean, the the idea of pitching is to upset the hitter's timing. Jesse, Chris Bassett did it in this one. I mean, I'm not disappointed. He did not go the complete game. I mean, he certainly could have. His pitch count was up there at at what I don't know what how many pitches he was at, but he was he was dealing at that point. The score seven nothing. His season ERA is looking fantastic. The rest of his line for the season is looking great. Um, I had this guy pitching well for the Jays. Yes, he had some rough spots, but this was Chris Bassett at pretty well his finest, Jesse. This is this is ideal Chris Bassett start. Not a, not giving up hard contact. Only gave up three hits over eight innings, too. Struck three guys out, just walked one. So, I mean, the idea with Chris Bassett, the book on him and what he's done is upsetting Hinder's timing and yep. getting weak contact. Yeah, and he did exactly that in this episode. Two things I loved about Chris Bassett. You talked about the soft contact. This was the guy who was as advertised. He had an average exit velocity against him today of 81.2 miles per hour. It is the second best he's had all season. The only other one where he was better at inducing soft contact was when the Blue Jays were at PNC Park in Pittsburgh, and I was there to see it happen. So this is what prime Chris Bassett looks like, and we got it here in this one. And another thing I wanted to say too, Riley, guy coming out on getaway day, as the Blue Jays are about to go to Coors Field, which is normally a hitter's heaven, Chris Bassett gave the Blue Jays bullpen a break, which is going to be massive heading into a high extreme offensive environment. So official thumbs up to you, Chris Bassett. More of this going forward, please. Oh, man. He, like... Man, they, the supporting cast, I guess you could call it in the Blue Jays rotation, Chris Bassett, I knew it was a great idea when we signed him, and I think he's been absolutely fantastic for us. With, yeah, the slight hiccup, that's going to happen. 
But in this start, when we needed just a bulldog type outing, and we got that out of Chris Bassett in the third game of this, and yeah, seven nothing. Um, you know, a, a wise a wise man earlier today said that they were going to win by six runs. We won by seven. <laughs> Put my money where go. my mouth is on that one too. Yeah, and hey, <laughs> you came through, buddy. All right. Well, that's the positives. There was some negatives. And Riley, let's just get right into the debacle. Debacle? I don't know if that's the right word here, but for the shenanigans or the the mess, I guess, that happened in game two of this game. And look, the Blue Jays were down five to one. Jose Brios wasn't at his best. We can touch on that too if we'd like. But let's get into what happened late in the game here. And into the eighth inning of this one, the Blue Jays were down five to two. They ended up scoring a run and ended up making it five to three here after... um. Yeah, there was a wild pitch to Whit Merrifield, and Alejandro Kirk advanced the third, and Whit Merrifield scored. Um, so Dalton Varsho was up with the, with we were down by two. It was five to three at this point, right? Dalton Varsho comes up, hits a fly ball to center. They send the runner home, and Alejandro Kirk was thrown out at the plate. Okay, Alejandro Kirk is by far the slowest runner on the team. He is probably the slowest runner in baseball. There was some controversy thrown out because before the game, the Blue Jays um, sent two players to the IL, which we'll touch on later, Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette, but we called up Mason McCoy and Ernie Clement to come in in their place. Now, the Blue Jays had already made kind of some changes, moving some players around defensively and whatnot. They already had Kevin Biggio coming into the game. They were already going to move some things around, but they still had a player on the bench. Mason McCoy was on the bench. And at that point in the game, John Schneider chose not to pinch run for Kirk, and ultimately it ended up costing us here, Riley. What's your take on this? Did the Blue Jays do the right thing? I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and he got thrown at the plate and it looks bad and stuff, but he's taking a lot of heat for this. And is it rightfully deserved? I want to start off by just talking about the play real quick. Sure. This is a, this will take years off your life. If you're like me, um, if you're the hitter of this, like that, that's got to be an RBI. That has to be an RBI. I know Kirk is slow. The ball's not hit to the warning track, but if you get a fly no, ball in deep center, it's like out there enough. Yeah. It's like that's, man, it, there are certain times when you know a ball is hit for a home run, you know when the ball's going to be. You smart ball people know, where, you know what should happen when a ball is hit. You know, initial reaction. Like I see that ball hit, I go, sack fly like mm -hmm. not even registering it in mind there's a possibility that Kirk gets thrown out because in my head baseball players aren't that slow but yeah I mean hey we can put it on the manager whatever what's that do for our lineup I don't know Varsho hasn't caught one inning for us I don't know what kind of double switch we still got Jansen like the options are there yeah was he was he the tying run no would he have got us closer to that yes so I'm I'm at this point in the year Jesse I'm playing to win um, what, if we are in the level, if we are in the 11th inning and our bench is empty, that's the 11th inning problem. We're in the eighth yeah. inning right Agreed. now. We let that figure it out at the time. Hopefully we don't go that long if our bench is that thin, but you gotta, you gotta make adjustments. I mean, Hey, I, you know, taking guys out, that's a, that's a good bat or whatever. And Hey, I'm not, I'm fine with taking Kirk's bat out. I mean, we got Danny Jansen, by the way, has now a career high in home runs and he doesn't even yes. catch every day. Ridiculous. I'm fine with Kirk. I just drives me nuts that he didn't score on that. I get it. Catch is slow. I watched Benji Molina um, for a long time and I know what it's all about to be a sluggish catcher. But um, whether you send him or not, you have to send him. It's that point in the ballgame. Easily the throw could be offline. The guy threw a dart some 
kid I've never even really heard about because it's the National League and he's, <laughs> you know, 23 years old. I don't care. I threw a dart to the plate. It was Kirk's a good there. throw, in fairness. It was, it was a, a hell a of a throw. But you got to test that center fielder's arm. It's at that point in the game, you have to be aggressive. We have to be aggressive on the base pass. The problem is, we we absolutely have been just snake bitten with being dog crap when it comes to recording outs on the base pass. Whether I feel like it's third base a lot, but in this case, it's an important out at home plate. Pinch run for the guy. If you want my yeah. answer to the question, yeah, I'll I'll stop dancing around it. If we got guys with wheels on the bench, if we have an average speed guy or a below average speed guy, Kirk's yeah. not even in the category below average. He is right, like, the you and I bottom are scoring on that play if we're running for Kirk. Like, I and in, in all honesty, Jesse, I I'm nowhere near as fast as I was. I think I score standing up. Yeah. In all it, it the I could replay the play in my head. I know where that ball's hitting the Rogers Center. It's it's it things like that drive me nuts. Get a pinch runner. If the guy can't run uh, like yeah, uh, let's let's move away from this. We need to not like it's just it's, a, it's the out doesn't need to happen. The the uh, the substitution should have been made. The game should be one run closer at that point. And who knows, right? Maybe even if they does pinch run, the run does come across. It's still five to four going into the ninth, right? You never know. But I will say there were two guys on the bench at the time this happened. It was Mason McCoy and Brandon Belt. John Schneider announced us after the game that Brandon Belt wasn't available. Okay. Sure, right? Kirk was in the DH spot. You didn't need a catcher. Danny Jansen was in the lineup and catching in this game. If you put Mason McCoy in for um, Alejandro Kirk, you could even put him somewhere defensively in the field, get someone off their feet for the next half inning or so, and then you just leave it, okay, you have no one left on the base, right? But you kind of said it. Deal with it later when you need to. If, say, Danny Jansen does get hurt and you need to put somebody else in, then you could put Varsho behind the plate. It's not like you had to get another catcher. Or you could even have a pitcher hit for your DH if you had to. Fine. Right? Like, I think this is a very poor judgment call to not pinch run for Kirk. And John Schneider should be getting the heat for this, honestly. And I think there's a lot of microscopes and magnifying glasses on John Schneider right now, not only for that, just decisions in general. I hate to blame the managers. I think a lot of it is on the players. And this one just comes to, in all honesty, um, you got to know your, your lineup and just plays like that. Jesse just drive me insane because there should, it should have, what it could have the game two was a, we should have won it. Could have won it. We didn't win it. Yeah. And then in the bottom of the ninth there, let's talk about that too. They went um, single from Kevin Kiermeyer, a single from Kevin Biggio, and then a walk from George Springer to load the bases with zero out. The guy you want at the plate, Davis Schneider comes up with down by two at that time with um, nobody on a one out. He got thrown five straight splitters, Riley. And I could tell on the three and one pitch too, he was sitting fastball, threw him a splitter. Good on you for throwing a three-run splitter, I guess, with the bases loaded and uh, in that pressure spot. But Davis Schneider fouled it off and then struck out on another splitter. Tough at bat. Then the next guy, though, Riley, was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And how many times have we said it? We've been saying this last year, too. Vladdy, this is your team. Come have a moment. Take over. Be the guy, right? Carry it. Show us you can do it. Or just hit a two-hopper to third base and um, and then get thrown out at first base. So... I don't know. And then Danny Jansen put up a good at bat, but popped up and that was the game. So do you have a thought on what happened in the bottom half of that ninth there? Well, let's look at it this way. I, 
I'm going to just erase David Schneider from it. Let's give him an, an at-bat off. Let's just let's let's focus on the second name you said, yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., because this is exactly right. This is a guy who is supposed to be a superstar. And I mean, when you think of the greats in baseball, when you think of the greats in Blue Jays history, they're like, you know, we want to talk about the level of excellence and how the names got there. I mean, those aren't from hitting a ton of second inning solo shots, Jesse. Those yeah. are from big game moves. Um, I know Delgado really didn't, wasn't on a good club, but all the other names, they're there for a reason. And Vladdy is that talented that he could be there, but there's no way he's going to get there when there is absolutely no clutch gene to him whatsoever. I mean, um, and the third baseman almost missed through it. It could, yeah. he could have reached on an air. It was just one of those close plays. I was biting my tongue, hoping kind of like an overthrow, overthrow. Don't catch it. Don't catch it. Kind of like I was seven years old again, you know, hitting a ground ball, but it, like, it's just one of those things where that's where I was stooping to. That's how bad I wanted to run. And I never do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. like, that's childish to me, but that's what I was doing. I wanted, I wanted that run so badly. I wanted that run so badly. I thought, you know, David Schneider struck out, whatever. I knew at that point when Schneider was out and Vladdy came up. Jesse, did you have the first thought too? I thought, crap. Double, double play. plays. Yeah. Double plays in order. The double plays in order. And I thought, and I didn't let that get me too down. But damn, man, Vladimir Grove Jr. has just got to be that more. And yeah, Jansen popping up. I don't. I don't care. Yeah, he hits. He hits. He hits balls to the moon. This one stayed in the park. Whatever. I mean, we lost the game. You get three guys on with no one out. It's more. It's pretty well, like you said, the chip win probability was almost at fifty percent there, and we did not pull it off. It the, the bar went up for us. We kept getting closer to possibly winning that ball game, and then it plummeted right at the end. That's the way the cookie crumbled on that one, man. We need to be more clutch. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., this is your team, as we've said. Carry the team, blah, blah, blah. I'm starting to think he's got weak shoulders because mm. uh, he certainly has not carried this team mm. at all. Yeah, and um, I also wanted to mention, too, that uh, his base running, too, also didn't impress me. I was watching a play in Game 3 today, and Buck Martinez actually gave Vladdy rightfully hell for this, it was in the first inning of tonight's game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was on second base. Alejandro Kirk hit a double to the gap. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. scored pretty easily on the play, as you should from standing on second base from a double. But as we saw literally the game before, Alejandro Kirk is not the fastest runner. It was a close play at second base between Alejandro Kirk and the uh, tag there. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was just almost power walking. He barely even broke into a jog running home and if say Alejandro Kirk got thrown out at second base on that play and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. still hadn't crossed second base the Blue Jays would not have scored a run there and that even though it didn't come to burn us here I would hate to see it happen when because we are in our, our fight for our playoff lives right now and if we lose miss the playoffs by one game or one run because of something like that something that's easily controllable I'm going to be very, very upset. And I don't know if that's on Vlad and his effort level or if that's on John Schneider not getting more out of his players to make them feel the need to play like this. But I hate seeing things that don't go well just simply from a lack of effort. And I was not impressed from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. running the bases here. That is the kind of stuff that gets you burned at the stake, Jesse. If yeah. anything ever came down to that, um, I'm going to be honest. 
you know, if I said I hustled out every soft hit ball or every for sure time I was scoring, um, but I don't play major league baseball, Jesse, there's a reason for that. Um, you have to, again, as the managers have to know their players, the players also have to know their players. You got to touch home plate. You got to make sure that that run scores, that run counts. Um, I'm not going to even talk about Kirk's base running. I'm actually infuriated right now. And I can't, I'm sorry to to kind of single out Kirk in a way, but it just, it just grinds my gears that we have to even talk about this. I understand that it's, that he's a catcher. Is it his physique, athleticism? I'm not even going to touch that. Um, as far as things go, he does a lot of things. Great. Base running is not one of them. But if that run doesn't score, it's not on Kirk. That's on Vlad. That is on Vlad. Not running. Yeah. He, he's got to score. Plain and simple. He did. So it didn't come back to bite us. But down the stretch, I mean, that's a conversation you got to say to Vladdy. Like, hey, like, make sure th- just even quick. Like, hey. Like, what are you doing? Come on, make sure that run scores. Like, don't screw around out there, man. Don't watch the ball. Don't point and, you know, do the whatever, do the dugout while you're running. Just just make sure that run scores, man. And because whether we needed it or not in that game is is not the point. Um, we just gotta we just gotta have the runs. That's plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. I hope to see things get better in that department going forward here, Riley. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention here is Jose Barrios, Riley, who got hit hard for two separate home runs, a two-run home run and a three-run home run. He's now given up, I think. I don't know if it's home runs or earned runs, but his last four starts or so have actually been kind of lackluster for Jose Barrios. Average exit velocity against in uh, 96 with a max of 105.8 in this one. I... I'm starting to lose a little. I mean, we didn't really buy Jose Brios as being all the way back, even when he was going well. Um, but now I'm really starting to see some of the regression come. And I think he's number five right now of our five starters. I'm going to cut him some slack um, yeah. on the one home run. The one that Ruiz hit because he hit it at about his nose. Yeah, it was high, uh, a high it, pitch it, out of the zone. It was like whatever. And I feel like I don't know who we were talking about a pitcher, whether it was Gosman. I think it was Gosman who got through, got, gave up two home runs on pitches out of the zone. Like whatever. That's that's the way it goes. So you take away those. I don't know if it was the two or the three runs like you take away those runs off of his line. It looks substantially better from there. Um, but then again, two strikeouts to two walks, Jesse, those aren't numbers that absolutely scream, Hey, I'm a confident pitcher. I have a good grip on this game. So for me, Jesse, it's more or less, you know, you got your six innings in Jose. That's all fine and dandy. But at this point in the ball game, like we need to score some runs because you gave up the long ball, which he's dude. That's happened. Like last year, I think he led the AL and home runs given up. So, yeah, I mean, runs, as I far think. as yeah, it was either him or Garrett yeah, Cole. yeah, as far as so as far as Brios this year, yes, there's been vast improvement. But I mean, it's it, uh, you know, you would like to see another one of those double digit strikeout outings where he goes eight innings, seven innings, whatever it is, and you know, because my confidence and I still have a lot of confidence in the guy, but I want to you know get more confident in Jose Brios because this is where a guy like him can really be an impact piece. One of the five starters, whether you rank him four or five on this ball club, because I'm, I would say at this point, you know, it's a toss up between four and five, but we'll call him the five starter for now. I'm fine with that. I'll shuffle Ryu into four if that's what we're doing. But uh, Brios is, he's got to be better, but I don't think it was as bad because yes, 
five earned runs off the home run, whatever. If they were solo shots, we'd be talking something different. But the, the truth is he did give up base runners in his outing. Yeah, so the Blue Jays did do some housekeeping before this series here. We kind of touched on it at the end of our last episode, but they made it official as both Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette have gone to the 10-day IL. So they called up Mason McCoy and Ernie Clement. Uh, Ernie Clement started uh, th- all three games at shortstop in this series, or maybe Espinal had one or whatever, but it's uh, he was there. Mason McCoy got his first big league at bat, pinch hitting for Dalton Varsho today, and promptly struck out. Mason McCoy was an interesting choice, Riley. He had a WRC plus of 48 in Buffalo, which is quite bad. The Blue Jays have always liked the power and speed thing. His story is good. I get it. Like, he's a hardworking guy. He's never been the most talented guy. He gets a shot at the big leagues. Good for him. But, you know, this Blue Jays team is trying to win games, not make good stories happen. Um, so I was interested why they didn't call up Orelvis Martinez or uh, Addison Barger, who have both been tearing the cover off the ball in Buffalo right now when a spot became available. Um and in terms of this, too, Whit Merrifield was taking ground balls at third base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was also caught taking ground balls at third base. Um, what's your fallout of all this, Chapman and Bo to the IL, and then the two guys they called up? So we have to remember the date right now. We're recording. It's Wednesday, August 30th. Like, it's pretty well. Let's just call it September 1st at this point, sure. Jesse. I mean, it's... <sighs> It, like we're going to go to 28. We're going to go to a 28 man here real soon. I'm going to, I would bet that Addison Barger's got to be one of those guys. Mm, uh, he's what this team needs. So I, it could go either way. Um, you know, but I, I feel like there's a good chance I could go to a few people, but um, what we need right now is, uh, is, is an Addison Barger type in my opinion. We called up Davis Schneider, got the same results. We're rolling with a guy, Ernie Clement. Yes, feel-good story, whatever. It, he it did fine in this series. I mean, is it is he better than what Paul DeYoung would have gave us? I certainly think so if he was going at the same trend. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, as far as things go right now, I mean, Ernie Clement is not a long-term solution. I mean, a series of him at shortstop, I just checked, Jesse. He did play all three games at short for us. I mean, it's a short-term solution. So, I mean, Aralvis Martinez, maybe we look at you. I don't know. We have we have some possibilities here, Jesse, but we'll really – Chapman, I hate that Chapman's on the IL, but he is far less impactful to this team than what Bobachet is. I know Chapman is an elite defender. Bobachet has picked up tremendously – and his defensive aspects and as far as his bat goes it is irreplaceable where he hits in this blue jays lineup you cannot replace a player like boba shet he has been absolutely fantastic this year anytime he goes on the injury list you really start to worry about what this offense can do without him i feel like this whole season has revolved around boba shet getting on base collecting uh, run scored, getting around the base pass and driving in runs at the bottom of the order, getting on base, things like that. So Jesse, I mean, you fill it somehow. You can't play an injured player. He's he's out for right now. So you look for solutions. I don't know who we're going to roll with. I have a feeling it's going to be a combination plate for the most part. Yeah, my theory on this is both guys were injured and then they were day-to-day for a while and Bobachet went on the IL. Then they both came back And I think what happened here is the Toronto Blue Jays looked at their schedule coming up ahead with Colorado, Kansas City, and Oakland and thought, okay, 
The Blue Jays should be able to hold their own against those teams. Let's put them on the IL now so they can rest it and they're coming back ready for the Texas series, the Yankees series, the Tampa series, the Red Sox series, down the stretch and into the playoffs because they don't want to run the risk of getting those things even worse. I would bet, Riley, if we had, say we we're playing Texas next, they would wait to put Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman on the IL because they want those guys there. Um, just a thought I had. I can't prove that. Maybe they really are hurt and they really have to go on the IL now, but that's my theory on that. And in terms of September call-ups, Riley, the Blue Jays are probably, like Nate Pearson's going to be one of them. He's going to be back up with this team, almost definitely. And the Blue Jays are probably just going to bring up another catcher. I bet it's Tyler Heineman or something that comes up and just becomes that last guy, which leaves Addison Barger and uh, or Elvis Martinez down in AAA, which I do think they should bring them up, but maybe that's a topic for another time. Um, anything else on that, Riley, before I move on to some other news and notes? I do not disagree with how you think they will do it. My my answer was more solely what maybe I think should happen. I mean, yes, bringing up a pitcher and a position player is obviously ideal. And I, I think Pearson should get a second chance. And I think see, I think he'll get a decent amount of usage. I think he should. I think I think he could be a great pitcher uh, for this team come September. And as far as whoever the position player is, um, I mean, we're basically just trying to expand our bench with that move. We're not calling up a, a, an everyday type player. This is going to be a tool for us um, to use in ball games. So let's try and be wise about who we call up. Yeah. And then these are just some minor things I saw while watching this series. They weren't enough to get a full segment on, but I just thought, hey, these are some interesting things, and I wanted to put them out here. The first one is Bowden Francis, I thought, looked quite good coming in relief of Jose Barrios. He had three innings pitch. I think he had four strikeouts, only two hits allowed. He looked good. Jay Jackson, on the other hand, I think is not. I think that's now three appearances in a row. He has now given up an earned run. Could be wrong on that, but it's it's something like that. Um, I think his little run of excellence might be coming down to an end, but small sample size, you never know. Kevin Biggio had his first big league appearance at shortstop in this series. I don't think he got a ground ball, though. He just kind of stood there and walked around. And I noticed that Alejandro Kirk's exit velocity has been creeping up, Riley. He had two doubles in the game today and had a few hard hit balls. And even in game two, um, he had two ground outs. Now it's what he does. He hits the ball on the ground that were harder than Davis Schneider's home run and the two home runs that the Washington nationals hit. So I think he had about three or four days off there before coming back into the lineup. And it's good to see the exit velocity come back from Alejandro Kirk just a little bit because of how much soft contact he has made this year. So any of those spark your interest at all? Um, I think you're right about Jay Jackson just quickly. Um, as far as Biggio, just trying to, Hey, if you want to stay in this league and you're not a, a solid everyday player, branch out your tools. He's, you know, playing more positions than anyone on this ball club. And, um, Hey, anytime Alejandro Kirk, this eggs of velocity, that's only means good things. Um, hopefully in the air a little bit, but two doubles, Two doubles, three hits in the seven nothing victory. That that'll raise those numbers up just a skosh, Jesse. Good things to see. Three of those, three of the seven runs batted in. So as yeah. much crap as I was given, Kirk, it's nothing personal. He's still he's still a great um, a great hitter for this ball club. Obviously, we would like to see a lot of those numbers higher up. Um, we're still trying to figure out what Alejandro Kirk is as a MLB hitter, or I am anyways. I quite quite often wonder what his career will shape out to be. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Pay attention to that. This might be the start of a hot streak for him, especially going to Coors Field next. 
Uh, John Schneider did announce that George Springer will go back to the leadoff spot again full-time. I think this is kind of in tune with how Springer has been playing a little bit better. How Whit Merrifield has been fine. He's been like one for four, Whit Merrifield. He hasn't been so much two-hit wit. He's been more one-hit wit lately. And so uh, he said George Springer is one of the best leadoff hitters of all time. He's going back to the leadoff spot. Um, so we'll have that looking forward to. And I wanted to give a Ricky Tiedemann update, Riley. He was pitching down for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. He went three and two-thirds innings pitch. Um Two walks, I believe, one hit allowed, but 11 strikeouts, Riley, down in New Hampshire. If you're playing along at home, he got 11 outs, and he struck out all 11 of them. Well, and stuff, including it wasn't quite an immaculate inning, but he had a 10-pitch inning with three strikeouts for Ricky Tiedemann. Just goes to show you how special this kid could be. And I know a bunch of you at home love this Ricky Tiedemann stuff. He will be a major factor for the Blue Jays next season, assuming all things stay healthy. We had a pitcher, um, no spoilers, I think we already said, Kevin Gosman reached 200 strikeouts in his yep. start um, at a good time. You do that before September, That's that's those are doggone good numbers. Spencer Strider is going to have, might have 300 Ks this year, which would be amazing. I don't know if he'll do it. If he gets all his starts and he's pitched, he'll get 300 Ks, which hasn't happened, I mean, maybe since Randy Johnson um, in like 2001. I, um, I know Jesse's got the fancy stats and stuff, whether he looks it up or not, I do not know. But rookie Tiedemann is a force in the minor leagues at, uh, you know, 21, 22. And he's going to be up in the major league soon. And if you can relay 11 outs, all strikeouts to that in the major leagues, I mean, you're still striking out a ton of hitters you're still getting a ton of swing and miss out of a lefty with great velocity. Um, he's going to be a force man. They don't build pitchers like that every, no, they don't. every day. We really have it. We have a gem with Ricky Tiedemann and what he's doing in the minor leagues. I really think there's a good chance. A lot of that will translate um, and go with him to when he makes that step to major league baseball. All right, and this is episode 130 of Buds and Blue Jays. So like we've been doing all season, we're going to do some fun Blue Jays-related stats with that number 130 and a little different ones today. Um, last episode, we did game started by Marcus Stroman as a Blue Jay. Well, number 130 for game started this year is R.A. Dickey, which when I was putting that note in the list here, I thought, wow, I really watched 130 of R.A. Dickey starts as a Toronto Blue Jay. I remember the day he got traded here like it was nothing. 130 starts later, his Blue Jays career is over. 130 is the game's finished by Kelvium Escobar as a Blue Jay. So I like the symmetry there. Game started for one pitcher, game's finished for another pitcher. Um, and then, Riley, number 130 on hitter and pitching war. You wanted me to give you a position and a decade. I gave you a little hint before the show. I'll give that to our listeners listening at home now. Both these players I'm about to list only played one year with the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, they're kind of interesting. Let's do the hitter first, Riley. He was a catcher, and he his only year he played in Toronto was 2006. Wow. And I'm going to say, is this Curtis Thigpen? It is not. That is a good guess, oh. Riley. You already mentioned this player's name earlier this episode. No way I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, I already forget it. I done my <laughs> guess. It's You know what? I didn't say Kevin Cash, did I? Nope. Oh, he was though. later. He was later. Um, if I already, oh, Benji Molina. Benji Molina. <laughs> yeah, yep. there we go. That's funny. Uh, I can't believe I said it. 
I can't believe I said his name. Um, teammates, shout out to I love third baseman. In fact, I am going to be one when I grow up. I just found out tonight <laughs> at baseball. Played played with another Blue Jay in his only year, Troy Gloss, yeah. who I Gloss also played love. Two years, I think, with the Blue Jays. Did he? Well, good yeah. for him. I know I remember him for for one year. Um, yeah. Wow. Good for me, I guess. Let's talk about the pitcher, though. Uh, that's one thirty. Pitching might be a little to, a little tougher. One thirty in pitcher war. Um, he was a relief pitcher. His only year with the Blue Jays was two thousand and ten, Riley. But he was the closer. He had thirty seven saves for the Toronto Blue Jays that year. Oh my goodness! Um, six six right hander. Six six right hander. Big guy. Yeah. What team would he also have played for, Jesse? So he played for a bunch. This is a good immaculate oh. grid guy. Um, started wow. The, started his career okay. with the Angels. He played four years with the Angels, actually. Two with Florida, one with the Cubs, then came to Toronto, and then he pitched in Baltimore after leaving Toronto. And he was pitched for the Florida Marlins yep. and the LA Angels. I got no one. The only player that comes to mind that matches up with those LA years is K-Rod, and he was never a Blue Jay. Jesse, who was this pitcher from 2010? Kevin Gregg was uh, was the pitcher. Oh, and then he went on, and the next team would have been the Baltimore Orioles. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, man, Kevin Gregg. He was a spaz. (laughs) <laughs> his 37 <laughs> saves with the Blue Jays in 2010 was a career high for him I, and pitched to a 351 I cannot ERA. believe I cannot believe he pitched he had over 30 saves first mm-hmm. of all because uh, he was certainly I remember him um, from Baltimore and I know that was in the twilight of his career and he was not very successful for our division rivals the Baltimore Orioles who I think were suffering a bit um, because they had not yet found Chris Davis uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. They're certainly right about that. Some fun names um, as we're getting pretty deep into this war leaderboard list, I might add, but uh, some fun blast from the past, guys. Uh, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. A bit of a long one here today, but hey, we got a lot to talk about. It's pressure time for the Toronto Blue Jays. We have a lot of things to say, so I hope you guys do as well. Leave a comment down below. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, or I guess X now, as it's called, Instagram and TikTok. Um, anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Buds and Blue Jays. Please like the video, subscribe to our channel if you have yet to do so. It really is some of the best ways to help our show grow. Riley, was there anything else you wanted to throw in there before we get out of here today? Uh, we are going to a ballpark in Coors Field. The hitters we have, this would be a really good time for an explosive offense, Jesse. This, uh, listeners, if you know, if you're listening to this early, you know, maybe before the Rockies game uh, starts, game one or even game two, this is one to get hyped for. Um, I have a feeling um, one of these games could very well end in double digits for our Blue Jays. Um, and it would be a good time, not only for, you know, guys to increase their personal home run record. But I mean, just to put on a mash, because I think another I think another big win is imperative. I, I know we just won seven nothing, um, but we need another big win. And then we need just more wins in general. Say a prayer for Hunjin Ryu, Yusei Kikuchi and Kevin Gosman, who are going to have to pitch in Coors Field this week. We might take even if they have a poor start, we might have to take it with a little grain of salt. We'll see, I guess, come Sunday. But a big series in Colorado. If the Blue Jays are going to go, what was it, 9-3 and in this 12-game stretch? We've already got one loss checked off. So a sweep of either Colorado or Oakland is almost imperative if the Blue Jays are going to get there. 
So I guess we'll see you on Sunday night to recap the series in Colorado. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.